Welcome to WrestleBuddies Game Spots Wrestling Podcast filled with wrestling friendship and wrestling with friendship. I am your host, Matt Elfring, and with me, as always, is my favorite WrestleBuddy in all the world, Dark Order member, Chris Hayner. Chris, how are you? Join the Dark Order, join the darkorder.com. Matt, you know what this is, right? This is WrestleBuddies. After dark. After dark, it is 10 o'clock my time because we were too busy during the day. It's 8 o'clock my time. You know what they call that around here? Prime time. My kid's been asleep for like three hours, so I can't be as uppity and have my voice modulate as much as normal. Ooh, it's time to watch Mom on CBS. That's what people do in prime time, right? It's time to watch that show with Miriam Bialik, where she runs a cat cafe. Wait, is that real? Is that her new show, really? It's about. It's about her running, it's about Blossom running a cat cafe. Did you call her Miyam Bialik? Miyam Bialik. It's Mayim. Mayim Bialik. She runs a cat cafe. I've seen previews for it on Fox. And let me tell you, I never want to watch that show. Man, in my opinionation, the sun is going to surely shine. Chris, we have a... (laughs) That's from the Blossom theme song. (laughs) In my opinionation, the sun is gonna surely shine. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Alfred, professional Joey Lawrence impersonator. But just the... Remember his music video? Anyway. Oh my god, uh, he was... with, with With his open shirt and whatnot. Oh my god, he was a sex symbol to like curious teenage girls. He was being posed to be like a transitional musical star, and it yeah, just didn't happen. Did and I feel bad work. about that. But I bet he was anyway, on Chris. I bet he's on like MTV's like Rock and Jock or whatever at some point. Oh, dude, Rock and Jock—that's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, I would. Lo- we we have a very special menu. A couple of of great choices mm. today. Um, tell us what's on the menu for the show. Oh, Matt. Well, first of all. Uh, later in the episode, we're gonna have a nice, a nice little dessert of uh, steroids and muscles uh, because we're gonna talk about uh, long before Vince McMahon launched the XFL uh, as his sort of non wrestling venture. He had another non wrestling venture, the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation, and I uh, researched it arguably too much today. I definitely watched a 19 early 90s episode of The Family Feud in preparation. Uh, oh, if you like beefy boys for dessert, you're going to love that segment. <laughs> Everyone loves beef for dessert. But before that, Matt, <laughs> before we get to the beefy boys, we're going to talk about uh, one of the dumbest slash funniest things in WCW history. And I know what you're saying. Didn't you say that last week? Yes, because everything is one of the dumbest slash most hilarious things in WCW history. But this week specifically, we're talking about the finger poke of doom, or as I call it, the boop heard around the world. Anyway, we're going to talk about the most devastating move of in all of sports entertainment, and that mm-hmm. is the finger poke of doom. There are probably many of you out there who listen to this show. I would like, I'd like to believe that some people who listen to the show don't watch wrestling, but they just like the weird storylines that we talk about i don't know um the finger poke of doom is exactly what you think it is it is a finger poke to the chest that is just the most devastating finisher of all time (laughs) it is delivered of course by the most devastating professional wrestler of all time hulk hogan hulk 
Hogan. Are you the warrior? Warrior. We're going to get in the airplane. Hulk. Hogan. Hogan. The pilot is going to take us to 35,000 feet. Hulk. Hogan. We're going to crash into a mountain, I think, Hulk Hogan. There will be no drink service. Hulk. Hogan. It's anyway. peanuts for everybody. So before we actually get to the actual finger poke of doom, yeah. we kind of we want to explore the history a we little bit set and the, the roots. Stage. We got to set the stage. The stage needs to be set. It needs to be built. Listen, when you get your steak, do you just want a piece of meat slapped onto a plate, or do you want some fixins? Do you want you want like a good aroma coming off of it? Like, would you like the steak cooked? <laughs> <laughs> or do you just want the cow? Just want a piece of raw bloody meat slapped out on your plate, <laughs> splattered USA. everywhere. Power. So we're, we're uh, yeah, we're going back to um, Starcade 1998 when Goldberg's winning streak came to an end, which I believe was like 489,000 wins mm-hmm. and zero losses. Uh, to uh, another, he lost to another devastating finisher, the uh, Taser, like the, the taser, cattle prod, yes. <laughs> the cattle prod to uh, the chest. So Goldberg lost the WCW Heavyweight Championship to Kevin Nash after. Uh, Kevin Nash defeated him, but only because Scott Hall came in with the taser and just tased him until he was. That's what it sounded like. It was like so that is kind of the the roots of all of what's happening. Uh, Nash and Hall had a falling out because of this. Uh, Hall went to NWO Hollywood while Kevin Nash went to NWO Wolfpack. If you remember, this is during the time when there were a lot of WOs happening. Yeah, this was NWO Black and White and NWO Red with the dope-ass thing, with the super dope theme song. Yes, but also there was the LWO at this time. Oh, and over in ECW, you had the BWO, the Blue World. mm, So many WOs. Now... Hulk Hogan had had like a pretty great year in 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had teamed with Dennis Rodman against DDP and Carl Malone, which we have talked about on the show uh, uh, later two in that year. Men's. Two basketball men's. Uh, later in the year, he teamed with Eric Bischoff to face DDP and Jay Leno, and that was at a Hog Wild, a paper chin man, king of chins. Uh, he kind of ended '98 with. A very terrible second match against the Warrior at, Hulk, at <laughs> Halloween Havoc. Hulk Hogan, I'm the man in the this mirror. Is, is isn't this when Warrior came back as the O W N, the One Warrior Nation? And like probably he, he, he appeared. I wanna I wanna say that like he appeared via a trapdoor in the ring, and like someone got body slammed on the trapdoor and like had to retire or was seriously injured by getting like not thrown on top of the trapdoor for Warrior's <laughs> terrible run. There was a lot of weirdness going on with the Warrior in WCW, which, again, this is it's going to be its own thing at one point. But so Hulk Hogan, (laughs) he retired on the Tonight Show at this point. He like told Jalen, like, I'm done with wrestling. There's this whole other storyline kind of going on that they wanted to put the spotlight on WCW and Hulk Hogan because Jesse Ventura was running for governor of Minnesota. And that kind of had stolen the WCW spotlight, whatever. Yeah. Well, because Um, WWF brought in Jesse Ventura to like ref. Like the the four, fatal the six pack match or whatever for the WWF. Title. Yeah, yeah. So now we cut to the January fourth, nineteen ninety nine episode of Nitro. Uh, Kevin Nash comes to the ring. He says that uh, he's actually talking to Mean Gene uh, in the entryway. He believes Goldberg got screwed out of his title because of Scott Hall coming in, and Nash was going to give Goldberg a rematch. 
Wow. Wow. What a, good for him. What a, you know like, what? Stand up human being that Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash during this time is like super baby face. He could not be more over with the crowd. Like everyone's behind him. And he's actually like a good guy for once. Not I mean, a 1999. not really. Like well, he, there was still the moment where like the re, the way he got the title, the the way his character got the championship match with Goldberg was his, the Kevin Nash character was put in charge of booking WCW. And he says, well, you like it or not? I'm next. <laughs> But this is also Ric Flair was in charge of WCW at this time, too. Yeah, it's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, So earlier in this actual episode or during, while this is all happening, that Goldberg uh, nationally gave Goldberg a chance, um, a bunch of policemen surround Goldberg and they tell him there's a warrant for his arrest. And this is in Atlanta. Goldberg knows the police officers. He says them by name, like we're buddies. We go out drinking together. You know, that type of BS. Oh, Goldberg. That sounds a lot like you're trying, like you can't use your celebrity to get out of being arrested. That's that you're supposed to be the hero of this story. He also is like, I do a lot of things for this community. You know, I'm a good guy. Um, He's not listening to the officers. Then there's like eight of them and he's yelling at them saying he's innocent. Like every guy being arrested. <laughs> I didn't do it, bro. <laughs> um, We don't know at the time really what he's arrested for. Uh, but Goldberg goes downtown and gets arrested and it takes eight officers to bring him in and Nash, Kevin Nash sees this and he is so very upset. Of course Um, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I mean, Hulk Hogan passes Goldberg while he's getting arrested and he's just kind of like, um, but Nash is upset and he knows Hogan's behind it later in the episode. The, you see, um, Miss Elizabeth talking to detectives about how Goldberg was stalking her. Like she'd be at the water cooler and he'd be right behind her. Wait, did uh, they it, actually say water cooler? Um, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was somewhere backstage where like she was standing I, there and Goldberg was behind her in red trunks is what they said. I'm like, he's never worn red trunks. I just um, like the idea that Goldberg, they're, they're in an office at the water cooler and Goldberg is standing behind her in wrestler underwear. Just hey, hey, thirsty. Hey, Elizabeth, will you marry me? <laughs> Who's oh, next? Yeah. H2O's next. <laughs> what if he's just an awkward dork? Like, that's really who he is. He's, he's just like a really. He's just bad at small talk with everyone. That's why he's such a silent character all the time. He's Who's just next? trying to be clever. Hydration's next. Yeah, he's just trying to be like clever and charming, and it just comes off as really weird. Oh, Hydration's next, right? Got to stay hydrated. I'm spear this bottle of water right into my mouth. Get it? <laughs> Wait, what? Hey, it's one bo- one bottle of water to zero. The streak lives on, right, guys? Right. I'm Goldberg. Surrounded by cops in the office, <laughs> security <laughs> guards that walk up to the ring. They also walk up to the water cooler. Awkward Goldberg's great. Oh man! Like honestly, there should be a wrestling Saturday Night Live where they just do awkward wrestlers, like funny wrestler sketches, not starring mm-hmm. like starring comedians as wrestlers because wrestlers usually aren't that funny. But like, I want to <laughs> see that sketch on television. I just want awkward Goldberg to be a thing, like a just in general. I mean, we yeah, had that. his name was Gilberg. <laughs> no, no, no. Gilberg. Gilberg was a parody of Goldberg. Gilberg. Awkward Goldberg is still Goldberg, but he's just makes awkward small talk. <laughs> That's all it is. 
very bread and butter. Every time Goldberg gets up from his desk in the office, Pyro goes off and scares everyone. <laughs> hey, sorry, sorry, guys. I'm just trying out some new Pyro. One day he does the the, the really bad AEW exploding ring Pyro, and it's just fantastic. <laughs> it's so smoky in here. Oh, so no, smoky. Nothing happened except for Ooh. plumes of smoke. I'm gonna tell HR. Anyway, um, so <laughs> Goldberg is stalking Miss Elizabeth. According to the book Bill Goldberg by Ross Davies, this was actually going to be the whole story was originally going to be Goldberg was accused of raping Miss Elizabeth. But what? Goldberg was like, no, and refused to have any part of that. Good. So it was changed to a light stalk. Yeah, good on him, because that's horrible taste. Even back then. Who's in charge of booking at this point? Is it is this a Vince Russo thing? 99 um i believe bischoff is out at this point hey guys editing matt here bischoff is still at wcw at uh this point and um the head booker was kevin nash so Nash decides he knows Hogan is behind Goldberg getting arrested and he's very mad and he wants, he wants Goldberg uh, and he, or, or sorry, he wants Hogan. He's like, I'm going to get Hogan. I'm going to make him pay. Um, During this time, <sighs> Hogan is running for president or something. I remember this. And it's such a, he talked a, about a, it on Leno. It's such a thin, thin, like, storyline in wrestling. It's not real. Like, there's no way it's real. I know we talked about it a little bit. It's not real. So Yeah, it's a joke. Like, when Donald Trump ran for president. Remember that? Yeah. So, Hogan accepts, and it's going to be for the WCW championship. Um, Hogan comes to the ring um, with Scott Steiner. This is NWO Hollywood. Now, Nash actually comes to the ring with Scott Hall. This is the first time these guys have been together since Nash went to the Wolfpack and Hall went to NWO Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Like, this was like a big moment. Like, they're back together. It's the outsiders. Yeah, it's the outsiders. Like, they're back together for like a, the, the common good, which is beating up Hogan. Hogan. Now, Hogan. the match begins. And there is a lot of circling and a lot of close-ups on mm-hmm these gentlemen staring each other down are they making Nash, like angry wrestle faces like oh, they're they're making like a how am i gonna take this guy down face like what do, how do i take him down how do i knock hulk hogan over how do i how do i defeat the power of hollywood hulkamania i wish that should been like scott just kneel down behind hogan so i can push him backwards over your legs over your <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that a real thing that happened too that's 100 percent something that's happened in wrestling yeah. but like I want that to be like, let's just do it more. What if that was, was Lashley's finishing thing. move? What if that was Lashley's finishing move? <laughs> MVP gets down on his hands and knees and Lashley just pushes someone super hard and they go flying backwards over MVP and then he pins them. Take that, the hurt lock. Oh, man. Now, now Chris yeah. Nash actually shoves Hogan Ooh. and he gets, he gets him in the corner. Yeah. And then Hogan is about to hit Nash. He puts his, he cocks his arm back, getting ready to hit him, but instead takes out a single finger, his pointer <gasps> finger. Oh my God. It sticks it in his Pokes him eye? in the chest. Oh, no, pokes just... him in the chest. Oh. And Nash goes down like it's the most powerful finisher of all time, knocking him out cold. Oh. A single poke. Now Hogan pins Nash, gets the championship, and then all of a sudden, Hall, Steiner, Hogan, and Nash all celebrate Wait, together. Wait, Steiner's there? Yeah, I mentioned Steiner was there for NWO Hollywood. 
Oh, I honestly forget that Scott Steiner was in uh, any version of the NWO, mostly because I mostly forget about Scott Steiner. Which I think is a fair thing to do. I think forgetting about Steiner during WCW is a fair thing to do in general. I don't think forgetting about him during TNA. I think that's unfair because he was great in TNA. Yeah, he's he was like a math. His gimmick was math, math professor. Math wizard. Chris, you think this celebration is going to be the end of the show? It's not the end of the show. Awkward Goldberg shows up. Uh, Wait, and, accused oh, stalker Goldberg? Accused stalker Goldberg. He shows up in his own car, just kind of. It's like a Honda Accord. Um, he shows up during the celebration and then like he takes out a few people. But then Lex Luger comes in and helps Goldberg because Goldberg's getting beaten down. Then Chris Luger turns on Goldberg and attacks him. Oh, God. Oh, no. Not Lex Luger. And then, Chris, something even crazier happens. Mm-hmm. Miss Elizabeth and Buff Bagwell show up. Wait, it's not even that crazy. I just want to make why? a buff Bagwell mention because he because Bagwell's there and he's got his dumb hat and he, it is a really dumb hat. I will say, can I? I want to go back to Goldberg for a second, like because yeah, Matt, what you don't know is I'm watching this segment right now. He mm-hmm. when Goldberg slides to the ring, he hits a this weirdly awkward spin kick in his tracksuit. Yeah, that I'm like I'm like it looks like he's like millimeters from falling flat on his face. That's why I said awkward Goldberg, because he does a couple of these kicks and they are really like they're not mm. good. Like I get stick to your two I get moves. The, oh, wait. And then here comes Luger. Boom. With that double axe handle right on the back of Goldberg. And then they all just pile on. It's sad. now poor Scott poor Hall. Uh, they handcuff Goldberg to the uh, ring ropes. And then Scott Hall comes in and tases Goldberg with the prod. <gasps> um, nice little callback. Wow. Shades of that terrible angle they did. Now, Hogan spray paints NW for life on Goldberg. Then they spray NWO on the world championship. Um, while they're doing this, someone on commentary, I think it's Bobby Heenan, is making sound effects. And the sound effects he's making is like spray paint. And he was also making sound effects when Goldberg was getting tased. Like, it was so I almost swore. So weird. I love it Bobby Heenan so much. It's so bizarre. Now, during while this is all happening, the crowd is chanting, we want Sting. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm listening to the shh now. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. He's like, let me call it for you. Let me call it for you. <laughs> it's a lot of it, too. It's It goes on for so long. And he and and it's worth noting, uh, this is a new NWO, so he's not painting him in black. He's painting him in red. It's the newest NWO, a storyline that I believe lasted for three months before it was done. And isn't the last version of the NWO. There's at least three more. We There's, have the NWO 2000, which has Jeff Jarrett and Bret Hart. That's Jeff in Jarrett it. leading. There's and then the WWF version. Yeah. And then maybe one other one. I don't know. I want to point out that this date in history is very important for wrestling. And not because of the finger poke of doom. I disagree. It's definitely because of the finger poke of doom. Well, for the finger poke of doom. This is actually the night, the same exact night that Mankind beat The Rock for the WWF Championship. Question. Yes. Did Mankind beat The Rock by poking him in the chest? No, they had a real match. Did they, though? I don't know. Now, during this time, Raw was pre-taped. 
Uh, and at the beginning of Nitro, WCW announcer Tony Schiavone was told by Bischoff to just give away the WWF finish, mm-hmm. letting everybody know that Mankind won. And here's the quote. If you're even thinking about changing the channel to our competition fans, do not. Because we understand that Mick Foley, who wrestled here one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Ha. Huh. That's going to put some butts in seats. Can I, can, I, I, can I do my impersonation of that? Yeah, please. <laughs> that's going to put butts in seats. <laughs> like it sounds so disgusted with the idea of it <laughs> and cactus jack was such a major like uh, brought something so different and new uh and kind of awesome to wcw when he was in that company because at that time that was the company's like it's old school wrestlers like here's a guy doing a vertical suplex vertical suplex Ooh. cactus jack grabbed a chair jumped off the ring apron onto you on the floor with it yeah, he elbow dropped you all from the like he was doing revolutionary stuff for that time. That pulling on, pile driver of his, where he he he'd set you up for the pile driver and just grab you by the back of your tights and yank you up and knock you pull you in. Yeah, it's a it's such a good move. It's my favorite pile driver. That's gonna put some butts in seats. Um, but it you, did. But do you know how mankind won the title? I do not remember. So. DX comes out. It's a lot of chaos, but then glass break. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. That's right. Nails the rock really hard in the head with a chair, which allows uh, Mankind to get the pin. And then afterwards, Mankind celebrates winning the title with D-Generation X, which is one of the wildest things you'll ever see. That's right. Because those characters were always so separated, like yeah. Mankind and Dia. Because it's like well, the supernatural. Mankind, Mankind was always super tied to Undertaker and Kane. Mm-hmm. But then he wanted like he his he had the whole wannabe like whole corporate thing and his like love of Vince McMahon. And then Vince turned on him. He, that's when he was always wearing like the suit, the shirt and tie. Uh, and then it just it just went. Yeah. Bonkers after that. Now, according to the Nielsen ratings, mm-hmm. uh, when Tony Schiavone announced that Mankind was going to win the WWF championship, over 500,000 people switched to <laughs> Raw. <laughs> And they switched back to Nitro uh, after everything was over on Raw, which had five minutes left. So they also got to see after not everybody switched back, obviously, but after Mankind won, they switched. Many people switched back to WCW and got like the fallout of this stupid match, (laughs) which is crazy, because what that tells you is WCW had a main event that people wanted to see. And they Mm -hmm. honestly, if if WCW hadn't done the spoiling of what was going on on raw people probably wouldn't have changed the channel because clearly at least for a majority of them they wanted to see what was going to happen in the w in the main event of nitro but instead and they only caught the tail end of it because they all turned the channel to raw and this was like a turning point for the uh the monday night uh, war actually this is kind of where wwe started getting you know, making headway on them again. And this is kind of WCW's falling off point. I think about the finger poke of doom a lot because the actual story is Goldberg versus Nash, but Hogan gets Goldberg out of the way. And then they're bringing the NWO back together. Um, But what's what I don't, I don't understand the point of the story. Like the end all be all of it is um, the NWO reforming, Mm -hmm. but why does Hogan have to be champion for that to happen? And why put so much emphasis on Goldberg for this if he is essentially a complete non-factor? 
Yeah, and it's also just one of those things that goes out of its way to show that like WCW didn't really value the titles. Not at all. Which you can make arguments either way about whether or not the titles are actually important on the level that they're sometimes treated as. Um, I tend to think they are because like it's it's the world championship, but I look at it as the world champion is the face of your brand. If you yes. are the world champion and Hulk Hogan was the 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 tanned leathery face of WCW for a very long time. Uh, but like it got to a point and from there, like Vince Russo won the title. David Arquette won the title. Like we've talked, we've talked about a lot of these things where like the title mm-hmm. just kind of played hopscotch for a while and it just didn't, it devalued. It didn't really mean anything. And this I felt was a very bad sign of things to come. I mean, I guess the idea is that Hogan has been in the spotlight, the mainstream spotlight, but at this time, I mean, look, you look at nitro and you look at raw, they were, at the peak of mainstream visibility during this time. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the idea is like you want to put the title on someone who has mainstream credibility or is just in the spotlight. But Hogan's not that guy. Yes, he's on The Tonight Show, but everyone in wrestling is on talk shows at this point just yeah. because of how you can put the title on anyone as long as they can talk in front of a camera on a talk show. So putting it on Hogan does nothing for wrestling. It's just. It feels like, okay, they're just, they don't give it, I almost swore again, they don't care. After Dark, I almost swore. They don't give a care. But it, it is just like, when I when I rewatch, the Finger Poke of Doom itself is super duper funny to me. I love it. It is hilarious because it's also not a forceful finger poke at all. It's a very light tap at best. And Nash shells it like a shotgun to the blast to the chest. But when you but when you like dig into the story, like I just got so mad about it. Cause I forgot about all this happening. Cause I was watching WCW at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I remember switching over to raw that night, to be honest. Uh, so, but when I dig back into the story, I'm like, man, like none of this even makes sense. Like I'm all for the NWO coming back together, but mm-hmm. they need to screw over somebody else. But like the Goldberg angle just doesn't make sense. No. Cause you've already screwed over gold or shouldn't you be screwing over sting who's out Goldberg. injured or Bret Hart who's injured. <laughs> it feels like there, there need to be somebody else to get over. And, and the problem is that both of these NWOs are at the top of the food chain. So there's no one to screw over. Right. You're just taking two so of the biggest predators. Goldberg predator. I feel like Gold, during I, this time, because mm-hmm. Goldberg's streak was over, he had been completely stripped down you can't do this to him. If you've spent so much time building him up as such a, and I didn't like Goldberg back then. I like the streak. The idea of the streak is great. Mm-hmm. I did not like the character Goldberg. I didn't like him as a wrestler, whatever. That doesn't matter. But if, as a I mean, promotion, you right. if you're going to, what you were right. Yeah. I mean, Goldberg is a kind of a boring wrestler, but if you're going to spend so much time building a person up and making them as an unstoppable force, and then you, mm-hmm. you beat him by cheating. You can't then a few months later, you know, get him in this situation where you get him arrested, then you handcuff him and then you beat him up. So it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Also, let's put him in the torture rack. Don't forget about the torture rack. I forgot about the torture rack. Yeah. Anyway, that's the finger poke of doom. I'm a little sad. Oh, we're back with After Dark. And if you're looking for some power pop, muscly, 
meaty boys with their shirts off. Mm. Chris has something for you. Beef. It's what's for segment two. We're talking about uh, the World Bodybuilding Federation. Long before Vince McMahon started his supposed extreme football league, uh, if that's indeed what the X stood for, I don't think they ever, like, I think the X was just like the X factor. So, like, it could be like X ray football league or xylophone. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to get into the business of uh, muscle mans because I don't know if you guys watched wrestling in the 80s. It was filled with muscle mans, like so many muscle mans. Vince McMahon is always a a guy who's just like, let me find the most muscly, meaty man and put him in a belt Mm -hmm. made of gold. It's true. Give me a muscle man's cover them in spray tan, drip them in gold, make them (laughs) pose at me like that's. (laughs) That's it. If if we had Wrestle Buddies t-shirts, um, I would want one just to say, give me a muscle man's. Give me a muscle man's. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Muscle man. Uh, so we're cutting back to the year 1990. This is this is so for those of you paying attention, this is nine years before the finger poke of doom in case you're in, like, I like to believe that there is someone out there. Uh, that is just plotting a murder board timeline of wrestle buddies topics so that like <laughs> when we hit episode 100 they're gonna be like look what i made and it's gonna be the scariest thing ever as it plots out the entire history of wrestling as told by us inaccuracies and all thank you for that jacob by the way yes um <laughs> <laughs> we'll hear from jacob in the mailbag uh so the year is 1990 and Vince McMahon, uh, a fan, as we noted, of uh, 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 Muscle Man's oiled up Muscle Man bronzed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he launches a new magazine called Bodybuilding Lifestyle. Uh, this is an endeavor of Titan Sports. He's organized Titan Sports, his company that like kind of oversees everything. Uh, so he he launches Bodybuilding Lifestyle. He hires uh, a well-known bodybuilding star who I believe is retired now at this point named Tom Platts to serve as a consultant and talent scout for the magazine. A magazine that is, again, filled with muscle mans. So it seems kind of legit. Tom Platts, uh, he is a seven-time Mr. Olympia competitor. uh, And he peaked in 19, I believe it was 81 or 86. I don't remember which one and he got, but he got third place. That was okay. his highest ranking, which like third place at a muscle man's competition means you're pretty muscly, man. Ooh, the bronze medal for a bronzed God. I like to believe that like bronze is the top prize and silver is the <laughs> second, the third place prize and the gold is second place. <laughs> that would, that's going to be our muscle man competition. <laughs> Oh. Also, it's just it's way too like <laughs> ours is going to be like, are these dudes like into these dudes or are they just like I, I want to toe the line of being creepy? My goal, my only goal for this show, besides getting rich and getting customized world titles, mm-hmm. um, is that we get popular enough to do a live recording at Comic-Con in which we will hold the first annual Wrestle Buddies Re- Muscle Man's uh, contest. Oh, where people boy. people from the audience will pose and we will give a bronze medal to the best one. <laughs> <laughs> and 
that. It's actually it, the muscle man's competition isn't about muscles. It's just about your charisma and your yeah, posing ability. Yeah. I don't care how muscle man's you are. I want to see your posing pose baby pose anyway so vince launches this magazine and then he goes he him and tom platts take the magazine uh to the 1990 mr olympia competition to promote it supposedly however something happened in between all of the signing autographs and taking photos and you know that normal promotional stuff tom platts uh was speaking at mr olympia and he took the stage and dropped the big announcement that Vince was starting the WBF, which was a direct competitor to the IBFF, which owns Mr. Olympia. So he's on stage at Mr. Olympia to announce a new competitor for Mr. Olympia. This is what he says. I have a very important announcement to make. We at Titan Sports are proud to announce the formation of the World Bodybuilding Federation. And we're and we're going to kick the IFBB's ass. <sighs> Is it was that the collective noise that came out of the audience? No, a- because, Matt, <sighs> as soon as he made that announcement, the doors in the auditorium opened and beautiful women came in giving out like pamphlets for the WBF. And it was just it was I mean, it was a Fistic Man production. So, like, it was clearly it was clearly a thing. Uh, also. The interesting thing to note about the 1990 Mr. Olympia is that is when the IFBB started instituting a drug testing policy for steroid use. Vince would say at a press conference that the WBF would be bodybuilding the way it was meant to be. There was no drug testing in the WBF, so a lot of people thought that meant he was saying, like, the way it was meant to be was with steroids. All right, listen here, Tom. You're going to go in and tell them we're going to kick the rest. I'm going to have beautiful women come down, and they're going to be beautiful. And then and then muscle men will follow. And then I'm going to tell everybody no drug testing. Yeah, uh, the IFBB. That's, that's exactly what happened, right? Kinda. Yeah. It's like you were there. Uh, so the IFBB said straight off the bat, anyone who signs with the WBF is barred for life from competing in our competitions. That's a little harsh, but at the same time, I get it. I get it. Like Vince is Vince is flat out being like, "We're here to beat you," and they're like, "You're at our show, like." Like, Why hey, are bro, you can you stop this? being like super carny about this for five minutes? <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's what Vince had going in his favor. It's just money. Uh, at the time, the top pro- you at the time, you if you were signed to the IFBB, you could compete at a number of events. And the top prize was the Mr. Olympia. And the first place winner took home 70 grand. OK. So. The, the top right. guy gets 70 grand. Who knows? I don't know what else everyone else gets, but like, who knows? Vince was offering guaranteed contracts on top of prize money at his competitions. And like the contracts were roughly a hundred grand, which is already means they're higher than the top prize. And this is also keep in mind, 1981, 19, or what was it? 90? 1990. It was 90. A uh, hundred grand's a lot in 1990. Yeah. So there's, a, there is a, a, a deep 
deep dive into the uh, uh, WBF and IFBB on a website called barbend.com, which I believe is for it's a website for specifically muscle mans. Uh, I'm not a muscle man, so I wasn't as familiar with it, but, uh, there, there's so much fascinating stuff to dig into. Uh, I don't, I don't even know the initial crop of WBF and I quote body stars because that's what they were called WBF body stars, not superstars. (laughs) Uh, there were 13 of them and they were just like dudes. They were just bodybuilding dudes with names like Troy Zuccolato and Danny Padilla and Mike Christian and, uh, Vince Comfort. Oh, get your eye on this meaty man boy with the beefy arms, Jim Quinn. Yeah. And then there was the star, the one that they thought would be the star, Gary Sturdum, who, uh, it's reported, His name's almost like stardom. He's going to be big. That's right. He was a six foot tall South African gentleman who reportedly had a contract for around $400,000. Guys, $400,000 in 1990 was like a billion dollars. I mean. It's not like okay, a billion dollars. Okay, sure. I'm, uh, I'm joking. So there were some in the bodybuilding community that were like, this is. The wrestling guy, though, is he going to wrestling up bodybuilding? Like, we don't want that. We like that's not what we want from bodybuilding. Is he going to make it like gimmicky and charactery? Yes, of course he was. It's Vince McMahon. Did you see the announcement for this thing is existence? Because. Yeah, (laughs) he sent a dude in to cut a promo on someone at their own show. Like. Yeah, so. So, okay. Obviously, you had to be able to lift. Like, if you're not a bodybuilder, you're not going to do well. But to promote this, these events, which we haven't even gotten to the first event yet, the wrestlers would give promos like and they had characters, Matt, like Tony, the Jetman Pearson, Johnny, the Executioner Morant, uh, Dark Angel Aaron Baker, Danny, the Giant Killer. And the rock and roll wild child. You failed to mention my favorite one, which was Jim Quinn. His Jim nickname Quinn, Jim is Jim the Future Quinn, which is the lamest of the. Yeah. Uh, I want to know Johnny the Executioner Morant came to the ring with an not to the ring came to the posing area with a with an axe because he was an executioner. It's very it's very very clever. Um, also, the, there is an episode. Of the family feud from that time with Ray mm-hmm. Combs as host, where the WBF body stars face off against the WWF superstars. There is a wrestling ring built in the middle of the stage. They don't wrestle at any point, uh, but like it becomes apparent that all the body stars are so dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb dumb matt the 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 opening right you remember you know family feud plays like, i love what, family name, feud name love the top me some five, recombs yeah name the top five whatever of a particular subject this was like what are the top five things that like you do before you you did as a kid before you went to bed and like the wrestlers the wrestlers which included like it was it was managers and wrestlers uh one of the nasty boys was there it was a whole thing which uh, nasty boy mm, i think it was knobs i'm pretty sure it okay, was knobs is the one that matters so yeah. that's good uh so it's so weird. Like they come up with stuff like say your prayers, brush your teeth, like stuff like that. When it goes to the body stars for the steel, 
Mm-hmm. They said, I'm pretty, I think it was them that said, like, tell your mom and dad you're going to bed. <laughs> there was that one. There was tuck your, the, tuck yourself in, which was sad. Like that told me way too much about their childhood. Like, what do you do before? What did you do as a child to go tuck before you went to sleep? In. Tuck myself in. Oh, and I cry like, holy cow. Are you okay? One of them was put. One of them was what? Like one, either the wrestlers, the Bible. I don't remember who said it, but one of them was like, put my toys away. I'm like, no kid did that. Unless they were I, made to do it by their parent. I was gonna say, yeah, I make my kid put his toys right. together every night. But but like if you're a if you're a kid, what is your first, like? What do you like? No, I'm brushing my teeth. Like I'm get I'm getting a bedtime story. I'm having a drink of water. Like mm-hmm. any number of things, but like tucking myself in, going to tell my parents good night, and then sending myself to bed. Like it's it's a very weird episode of television, but it's also the most nineties episode because all of the all of the body stars are in their 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 singlets. Mm-hmm. They're like posed down singlets on this TV stage for the Family Feud, and all the wrestlers are in their gimmick clothes. It's so. Oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, so as this is all going on, this is all building up to the first IFBB show or the first yes. WBF show. Uh, IFBB retaliates. They don't think what Vince is doing is good for the industry. So they're going to they're going to really stick it to them. And they had their show uh, before they had another show before WBFs and their show started, Matt. With the like for all this talk of like, oh, Vince is going to make bodybuilding so wrestling and carny and gimmicky. IFBB starts off their show. The stage has 13 tombstones on it. One for each person that signed to the WBF. Their names are written on the tombstones. The IFBB then has their bodybuilders come out and destroy the tombstones to kick off the show. Wow. This is a thing that happened. Like, I regret not being into bodybuilding as a child because I would have loved to see this nonsense unfold. So we get to the first WBF show. Uh, like like IFBB, their shows open with two rounds of posing. Honestly, if you don't know anything about bodybuilding, it's a lot of like posing at people and like showing off your guns and whatnot. It's there's it's a sport of like standing in a very particular way. Yes. Uh, so they had that WBF had that, but they also had the third round, Matt, the entertainment round. Oh, this is where I could shine. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't find a lot of information about the entertainment round, but I did find one example and that comes from Danny Padilla, the giant, the giant killer. killer. Yes. Inspired. He's inspired by Jack and the Beanstalk and his entertainment round uh, offering. It begins with the Titan Tron, the big, the Jumbotron screen mm-hmm. on it. We see Danny, the giant killer Padilla being chased around by the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk. Cut two. <laughs> He runs out onto the stage, still being chased by the giant, like fearing for his life and posing. And that's, posing while he does it? Like, he's just chased around by the giant on the stage. Like, that's his, that's, that's his pose down. That's his entertainment around posing. They're like little sketches. This, like earlier, remember earlier when I said they should do wrestling SNL? They yeah. could have a WBF sketch a week. Because it was essentially like 
they from what I understand, they were like little little bodybuilding sketches just to play into the characters. I'm assuming the executioner murdered someone on stage. Like if I had to guess um, the jet man, I don't know. He probably like went skydiving or something, but like it's so. It's so wrestling that it's laughable. Someone listening out there, you right now. Find me video of these entertainment rounds of competition. Please. 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 Like, WWE has to still own this footage. Why isn't it on the network for me to enjoy? This show, the WBF champion is named, it's Gary Sturdum. um, Because, (laughs) coincidentally, based on what I read, it seems that the people who were, the five people who were paid the most via contract, their contract, also won the top five slots in the competition. I don't know how that could have happened. Uh, But... You would think this means WBF is off on a roll, like this is where it goes big. Uh, unfortunately, the bodybuilding community was already starting to turn on it. The pay-per-view did like around 3,000 buys, which is not great. Uh, and what's more, two weeks after the first show, uh, the WWE doctor, George Zahorian, uh, was found guilty of some counts of selling steroids to wrestlers and bodybuilders and Vince McMahon. Okay. Um, and then that's when drug this is testing, the steroid scandal. Yes. This is this, this is the beginning of the steroids. Beginning scandal. Of it, yeah. it coincides with like the beginning slash ending of the WBF. Yeah. Uh, this is when Vince institutes a drug testing policy in the WWF. Um, it came not long after to the WBF because Honestly, like there was a lot of there was a lot of negative publicity happening towards Vince and WWF and bodybuilding at the time because of steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, so in an effort to drum up some good publicity and some positive thoughts about the WBF. Vince turned to a superhero, Matt. He turned oh. to the Incredible Hulk, Lou Ferrigno, the, the guy from Greatest American Hero. Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk. Believe it or not, <laughs> I'm walking on air. Uh, I thought so, I could feel so free. So he's like Lou Ferrigno has a history with the IFBB. He competed in the Mister Olympia before. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost Vin- to Schwarzenegger. That's right. But the documentary Vince, Pumping Iron. That's right. Uh, but so Vince signed him to the WBF uh, to compete uh, at the at the, their second show to dethrone Gary Sturdum. And there is actually, there is actually a promotional poster of them doing like a face to face, which is crazy because it never happened because it didn't take long before Lou Ferrigno backed out on the deal and signed with the IB IFBB. Good for him. So then Vince needed a different attraction. What do you do, Matt? I mean, you, you, you call in the narcissist. Mm, here's the thing. Lex Luger. Lex Luger was signed to WCW at the time. This is, I th- yeah, Lex Luger was signed to WCW at the time, but he was only signed to WCW as a wrestler, not as a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. So evidently he was able to sign with the WBF as a guest poser. Which sounds hilarious, but like it was a, that's the way it was explained. A guest poser at the second show, 
um, because that would save it. That would surely save it. Like, mm-hmm. right. We, we couldn't get Lou Ferrigno, but like we got Lex Luger. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Luger broke his arm before the show and did not appear. Oh, <laughs> so that went out the window. You Matt, should have taken the Lex Express. Uh, also, I apologize. Uh, I mentioned earlier that the first WBF show did 3000 buys. That is not the case. Um, I actually don't have that information. What I do have is that the second WBF show, <laughs> a.k.a. the last WBF show, uh, it was it was met with not great reception and it only did 3000 buys. It like, honestly, the bloom was off the rose. No, like the, the, the bloom was never on the rose on like it never. was a dead rose from the jump. Uh, but it was just, it was clear that this was over uh, a month later. Vince called the IFBB and was like, uh, can you please take my body stars back? Because I'm done. Also, do you want to promote Ico pro for me? <laughs> Which is, <laughs> It is such a bro. It's such a power move to be like, remember when I came to your show and was like, I'm going to destroy you. Can you sell my supplements? <laughs> like, I, I what? still, I still don't as an adult man have a complete understanding of what Ico pro is uh, or was same. don't but i also don't want to know same don't want to know nope. i know it as that banner that hung in the monday night raw arena mm-hmm. Ico pro. and that's enough i almost bought an Ico pro t-shirt because i found Ico pro t-shirts and i still might still don't know what they are don't want to know don't, don't care that didn't work Ico pro isn't still around so i don't need to know it so yes uh the IFBB offered like they agreed to take back. So the, the, the lifetime ban was not a thing. Shocker. Okay, also Lou Ferrigno, as we, as I mentioned, also signed with IFBB after signing with WPF. Um, but that's not where this story ends, Matt. Imagine if you will, the next IFBB show, mm-hmm. the camera opens on an arena. You see the stage and what do you see on the stage? 13 tombstones all with the names of the wbf superstars on them wow they're really gonna out comes a bodybuilder dressed as a preacher okay who then raises the wbf body stars from the dead and they all break out of coffins that are next to the tombstones they realized that (laughs) they realized that the wbf was dead at this point right and they didn't have to do pull these shenanigans anymore no this is just them saying that we're resurrecting these guys i I understand that but they realized they don't have to do the showman crap anymore right yeah but like showman stuff is cool don't call it crap i mean but like it sounds cool like what if the undertaker had come out and done that and done the rise no like resurrecting no i take my bodybuilding competition so seriously i want these beefy sweaty boys to be in their prime and not involved in shenanigans after dark beefy sweaty boys beefy sweaty boys dot gov (laughs) what (laughs) what department is that is that who's handling my taxes this year 
It's a national team of beefy, sweaty boys who fight for our freedoms. Dot gov. Dot gov. Fight for our freedoms. Dot gov. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just imagining a government agency of bodybuilders and their job that is just awful. to pose. <laughs> they just pose for Okay, people. I'm back in. <laughs> well, as we know, that wasn't the end of posing. That wasn't the end of Vince McMahon's pose down. Like he he would no. work it into storylines now and then. Like, do you remember the the Triple H Scott Steiner pose down ahead of their world title match? McMahon had one too of somebody. That doesn't surprise that doesn't surprise me at all. Like during his muscle and fitness magazine era. Which is every era. Yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, that was the WBF. It was a hilarious carnival of just foolish. But, you know, it worked, I guess. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. Well, here's what it did. What what the WBF did was offer more money than the IFBB was offering. Mm-hmm. And to compete, the IFBB did begin raising their prize pools. So, like, in ultimately, more money was paid out to bodybuilders than if the WBF hadn't existed. Not to the obviously not to the, the amount that Vince was offering of guaranteed contracts of one hundred thousand dollars. But like, I believe I believe I read that the Mr. Olympia prize pool went up to like one hundred thousand dollars for the top prize after that. Mm. That's good. So like something something good came of it and uh some big beefy boys got to pretend to be like executioners and people from the f- and time travelers and like dark angels and whatever the hell. Like it was very strange. I'm Jim the Future Quinn. Now I work for the government posing for you. Feeling down? Beefyboys.gov. Look at look at my biceps on beefyboys.gov. That's the name of my OnlyFans page. Can't afford your hospital bills? Well, we don't have universal <laughs> health care, but you can have these quads flexed in your face. <laughs> you can have these quads is a great line. <laughs> oh, WBF, we hardly knew thee. Also, uh, petition... Uh, to change the term WWE superstar to WWE body star. <laughs> it's so dumb. Like it sounds so it's, it sounds gross. First of all, mm-hmm. I don't know why it sounds gross, but it sounds gross. Also, it sounds amazing. Like it sounds perfect. If that Vince, if that Vince McMahon biopic ever happens with Chris Hemsworth. Oh no. Chris Hemsworth is the whole Hogan biopic. Dang it. Yeah. I feel like there's a Vince McMahon biopic in the work somewhere. If it doesn't go in depth on WBF, it won't. What are we doing? Like it, it also should. It should, but it also won't go in depth to like stand back or when he started just inputting himself into the product, um, doing weird things like the talk show sh- stuff. I'm a swore again. Do you remember after dark? It, I was just reminded of the time the Rock hosted Saturday Night Live for the first time, and Vince was just shown backstage hanging out with Lauren Michaels. Yeah. And he got and Vince got to do the live from New York at Saturday night bit. What a time. Anyway, that's the WBF. Chris, it is time for you to open up the mailbag. Open up Mm. the mailbag. Mm -hmm. Show me that smile again. (laughs) Show me that smile. (laughs) I've been rewatching that. I've been listening to that song a lot lately. 
I think you just said you've been rewatching it. I'm well, like, why? I've, I've been I've been rewatching like just like I'll pull up YouTube videos of like every growing pains opening from season one to season seven. Dude, I'll I do just, that too. Like those songs are just perfect. It's just wasn't it like comfort. One or two people that wrote like all the best ones too. Mm-hmm. Alan yeah. Thick wrote a bunch of them, I believe yes. as well. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But show me that Whatever. smile again is one of the best. I'm, I'm family matters is one of my favorite Ooh, whatever happened to predictability, predictability the milkman the, the paperboy evening, evening tv, TV. oh that's does. full house yeah that's full no no that's no that no that's miss your old familiar friends days go I'm, I'm 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 combining full house and family matters in my head now no that's full house yeah but as days go by as family matters days go by so i just screwed it up whatever after dark we're screwing up 90s sitcoms after dark you sound so defeated by it after dark now after dark i don't know uh so today's question hold on chris i gotta pull up youtube this is gonna kill me it's as days go i know but i need the opening the opening who's opening i i know the piano i just want that opening line it's a rare condition this day and age it's a rare condition I don't think I'll be able to, I'm, I'm probably going to play that. I don't know if we'll get in trouble. I knew newspapers were involved. Of the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find. Anyway, uh, this week's mailbag question comes from one Jacob McCourt, who Matt may or may not have referenced earlier as having a Wrestle Buddies murder board in his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually a question that got me. Uh, the reemergence of Christian's TNA theme in AEW got me thinking who has or had the best music in TNA or impact history. Uh, Matt, I don't know how well, you know, TNA or impact theme songs. I know trouble, 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 trouble. That's a good, I love that one. Uh, I don't really like Christian's TNA theme song. So I'm glad, I'm glad he's happy. He got it back, but like, whatever, uh, for me, it's a two way tie. Uh, it's a tie between the AJ, the version of AJ Styles theme that had the rap group, the Christian rap group grits Mm -hmm. rapping over it. Dope song about like, get ready to fly. Um, and then it's Kurt Angle's TNA theme, which is like the most it's garbage, but it's so good. Do you know Turnale's theme song? Can I read you the lyrics of Kurt Angle's TNA theme song? Yeah. It's a rare condition this day and age to no, read any no, good no, news on the good. Okay, guy. No, it's called gold medal. I'm focused, dead up. Don't get up or never let up. Ferocious. I'm fed up, dismissing the competition. It's hopeless. I'll trash their ambition. Listen, you want a class on tradition? On one condition. Forget the best of the century. Y'all talk about the best of all time. You better mention me. Essentially... I'm the best there's ever gonna be. I hold my ground. You'll never take it from under me. And up under me, it's gonna be trouble. Hit you so many times, you'll see triple and double. What does that mean? How do you see triple and double simultaneously? Are you seeing five? Well, one I one I see is double, and the other sees triple. Yeah, I guess. Instead of one of me, I got I got more heart, more ways to tear you apart, lay you down early on. Whoa. Or maybe later in the round, it's no different to me. You tap out, cash out, or simply pass out to breathe. Because you face down, really. And barely alive, because I'm an animal inside. 
hear me chris i'm so embarrassed right now that i messed up the lyrics mixed with the lyrics of full house and family matters a show i grew up with and loved full house a show i grew up with and hated um i didn't hate full house i didn't love it as much family matters family matters is the best tgif show yes Full house. Step by step, step by step, a close second. Mm, I go Actually, back Boy Meets, does, step by step in Boy Meets World. I was gonna say Boy Meets World counts, doesn't it? Boy right, Meets well, World so second. Can I can I give you my list? Yes, please. This whatever you guys are gonna have to listen to this anyway because we're nineties yeah. kids or eighties kids or whatever. Yeah. Just the ten of us. Whoa. Love just the ten of just us. Just ten of us was great. Uh, and then I go back and forth on uh, uh, Boy Meets World and um, Step by Step. For three and four and then it's dinosaurs dinosaurs was you know what is great yeah dinosaurs is great and is like one of the most serious henson products ever Mm -hmm. like it ends with it ends with like the ice age yeah and it's brought on by pollution it's a it's 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 that that episode of television is way ahead and then the show's over that's the series finale everyone dies like that 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 show is so ahead of its time. And that's the one I'd say that's the one show on TGIF. I'm sorry everybody, we we're talking about this. That's the one show I feel like didn't jump the shark at some point. Yeah. Like Family Matters definitely did when it became when the Urkel when it became the Urkel show and he had a transformation chamber and there were suddenly like five of him. I, I mean like yes, like when, yeah, when Urkel because Ur, Urkel was like season two he came on. And then season no, three. No, he became, you know, he was he 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 showed up in season one. It Did was he? later and it, he wasn't there for the first few episodes, Okay, but it wasn't meant. He wasn't. It was supposed to be. It was, a not, it was, it, it was a vehicle for Reginald Val Johnson, not yeah. for uh, Steve White. What was his name? Jaleel White. Jaleel White. Thank you. Stefan Urkel is what you're trying to think of. When it when it started, it jumped the shark for me when it started doing the weird super sciencey technology stuff. Mm. Remember the episode where both Reginald Val Johnson and Jaleel White got into the transformation chamber and became Bruce Lee and the Kung Fu fought bad guys. <laughs> that was an episode of family matters. I'm you know what? serious. Uh, it's a jump the shark sh- season. Um, I still love it. Yeah. Still great. Boy Remember World Waldo, jump- Waldo Faldo. Oh, I loved Waldo, man. Yeah. What a show. Boy meets world to jump the shark a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I've, I've, I've floated this to people before. Almost all those shows are owned by Disney and it's a crime that Disney hasn't like resurrected like a TGIF programming block, either on one of its channels and just with reruns as a special thing or like on a streaming service, like the TGIF hub on Hulu or Disney. Well, Disney, Disney plus does have um, all of boy meets world, all Mm -hmm. of dinosaurs. Yep. There might be more. I haven't looked. Hulu has step by step full house. I believe it has I, family matters. Like a lot of them are on a lot of them are those like, where's my hang with Mr. Cooper? Where's teen angel? Do you remember teen mm-hmm. angel about the guy yes, who died because he had a rancid hamburger? Yes. <laughs> There's so many one season wonders in TGIF. Sabrina, the teenage witch was in TGIF at first before it moved to UPN. Oh, that's right. What I'm getting at is. I love Family Matters, even though I screwed up the theme song. Guys, As thank you for coming along that journey. Bye. <sighs> God, I'm just, I just—I don't know. We should, I feel like we should just do a spinoff of this show where we just talk about TGIF. TGIF buddies. Yeah, I do TGIF buddies.
Anyway, thanks for coming along that journey with us where we uh, ended the show talking for 10 minutes about TGIF. <laughs> uh, remember to rate and please, review us. Rate, yeah, rate and review us on iTunes and the Android podcast app and all the places. Just just throw stars at us like crazy. Because uh, that hasn't changed in months. And I, and I feel like I'd love it if you would do it if you haven't done it yet and you enjoy the show. Look, I'm just saying we know how many people are downloading the show every week. And we know how many people are leaving us reviews. The numbers don't match up. They're really off. (laughs) (laughs) But we love you. You're not listening. You cut out when we were talking about TGIF. Are they talking about dinosaurs? I'm out of here. I mean, we did have a whole segment about Boy Meets World once. (laughs) It's true. But that had wrestlers in it. We'll figure out a way to do it again. Uh, Chris, final words this week. Did I do that? Yes, you did. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Russell Buddies. We hope you had at least almost as much fun as we did. Go ahead and rate and review us on the Apple Podcast app. You can email us questions at WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com or find us over on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. He is at I'm Matt Elfring. See you next week.